if my success is going to come at someone else's expense, must I take a step back? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We are up to the Parsha of Shmos, the opening Parsha of the Book of Shmos, or Shmos, second book of the Torah. At this juncture, the Jewish people are down in Egypt suffering due to the intensity of the servitude of the slavery and the, the death that the Egyptians are bringing upon the Jews. Moshe, Moses, who had escaped Egypt, in, is now in the region of Midian and has the famous encounter of the burning bush. An encounter at which Hashem, God, appears to Moshe and assigns him the task of going down to Egypt to let my people go, to play that role of initiating the Exodus, bringing us out of Egypt back to Sinai, eventually to Israel. But at this juncture, the task that God is giving him, go bring them out. And Moshe's initial reaction is, no, it's not for me. This is not a task that I can do. And he's deliberating with God. The Medrash describes this as a a long deliberation, a seven-day debate. The text itself makes it very clear that Moshe is hesitant, far from ready to do this task, which is very hard to understand. If God himself, Hashem says, you're the man, you can do this job, I'm sending you, what's the hesitation? And commentaries describe that at least a significant factor in his hesitation was his concern as to the degree that this would be disturbing to his brother Aaron, his brother Aaron. Very clearly, God's reacting to Moshe's hesitancy by incorporating Aaron into the picture. And later on, God is telling Moshe that Aaron will be samach, he'll come out joyously to see you. And apparently, until God told him that, Moshe is concerned Maybe I can't go. It's going to be disturbing to Aaron. Now, think about this for a moment. Aaron, Aaron, Moshe's older brother, all the while that Moshe is off in Midian, Aaron is left behind. He is one of the leading personalities of the Jewish people and has probably been shouldering the pain, the plight of the Jews more perhaps than any other individual. And now Moshe is going to come back from the distance, and all of a sudden he gets the spotlight. He's going to be the one that takes the Jews out of Egypt. That could easily be frustrating to Aaron, particularly as the older brother, here's my kid brother, coming in. All of a sudden he's the hero, he's the star, and all of the years of my suffering along with them and my bearing their pain and shouldering their plight, that now is going to be forgotten as Moshe is the the new shining star on the horizon. So, Moshe's hesitancy. But, we have to pull back and put this in perspective from the other direction. Moshe, you weren't over here told, here's a chance for your personal elevation, your personal success, and that's coming at Aaron's expense. This is your opportunity to pull the Jews out of this horrendous Egyptian experience. What's at stake over here is not simply an issue, are you going to get the limelight or not get the limelight? As far as you know, this is the plan. Hashem didn't tell you this is choice A out of a series of options. So if you decline, who's to know if and when there will be another option to get the Jews out of Egypt? What do you mean that you're going to back out, you're going to stall this process 
due to the fact that this might be a slight to your brother Aaron. Well, and potentially helping explain this, the story is told that the famed, known as the Magid of Yerushalayim, Magid is a term for somebody who was a preacher, but much, much bigger than a preacher. Somebody who would often roam village to village, synagogue to synagogue, in this particular case, around the world, uh, this Magad of Yushalayim, Rabbi Shvadran, somebody who was capable, due to his incredible penetrating insight and phenomenal eloquence, capable of inspiring crowds to reattach themselves to different elements of Torah and to become more excellent in terms of their personal growth and their religious fervor. And this Magad of Yushalayim, Shalom Shvadran, was approached once by a group of students in the yeshiva. They said that the person who played a very significant role in the yeshiva, the mashkiach, the supervisor, not the supervisor of the kitchen, but the supervisor of their personal development and of the conduct of the students and of their spiritual growth, their mashkiach had to travel overseas. He would be gone for a while and would, Rabbi Shvadron, come in his absence and play that role Would he come giving them inspiring messages. Well, on the one hand, Rabbi Shadron was impressed. Here is a group of students that want to be boosted. They want to have somebody helping inspire them to greater heights. But he was somewhat torn because I wasn't really asked by the mashkiach when he was leaving to play the role of the substitute. Perhaps there may be elements that he would be disturbed by the fact that somebody took over. He went to do what any good Jew should do. He went to ask his own mentor, his own rabbi, known as Rabbi Chatzkel Levenstein. He went to Rabbi Levenstein, posed the question, and Rabbi Levenstein said, absolutely not. Despite the fact that you certainly would be able to help those, inspire those students, no doubt. Anybody who's blessed, I once had the opportunity to hear Rabbi Shvan run live, heard many cassette tapes, remember what those were, uh, of his years back. Uh, absolutely stunning presentations that would gripping and it would grab you and propel you to greater heights. And you certainly would be able to help those students and do something of consequence in a very significant way. But very likely that the reaction of that mashkiach when discovering that the substitute who is voluntarily filled in while he is gone is quite likely more capable than he himself more inspiring, more empowering, more enlightening, certainly more entertaining, and it would be something that potentially would have him feeling very concerned as to his own relationship with the students when he gets back. And it could have him feeling dejected and down, and itself could be of negative consequence, and you can't cause another person distress. Well, wait a minute, what's at loss over here? Is not, I'm not getting a paycheck from the yeshiva. It would be their elevation, their inspiration, those, the growth of those students. doesn't matter. And Chaskel Levenstein told him something fascinating. He said, Kabbalah we have a Masora, we have a tradition going all the way back that if you had the opportunity to build the temple in Jerusalem, we long for that temple in Jerusalem. We pray for that temple in Jerusalem, for the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash. If you had the opportunity to do so, but would come at somebody else's expense, the table would be project. Would, the, the, the project, I'm sorry, would be tabled. 
wait a minute over here. Building the base of Mikdash. That's something we pray for three times a day. The reason we don't allow a metal knife on the table during the Birkat Hamazon, when we're benching grace after meals, is lest somebody, over the pain of the loss of the temple that's reflected upon in that prayer, take that knife in hand and hurt himself because we expect people to be emotionally distraught about a world without that temple. The temple without which we lack significant elements of our atonement and our reattachment to God. You have the opportunity to build that temple and you would table the project because somebody is suffering some type of a setback due to your construction? Yes, that is our tradition. The need to preserve another person's dignity, another person's sense of worth, self-esteem, that takes precedent. A stunning statement by somebody who had the ability to shoulder, to continue that chain and pass down that information, told to Rabbi Shadron, who opted out of taking that role, and says the Chavetz Chaim that when it comes to Moshe, ready to go down to Egypt, or being asked to go down to Egypt, if that's going to come at Aaron's expense, if in fact Aaron would be frustrated and pained, then Moshe can't yet go. Really shocking when you think about the ramifications of that. But that is the principle that is being described over here. And the question then becomes, what is the message for us? What is the takeaway? What's the takeless takeaway that we can utilize in our own lives? And if you are in the process of climbing that corporate ladder and stomping on others as you move up or pushing them off, certainly what to rethink. But what about for most of us on a more regular basis? And the reality is, is that often in the process of doing things that are aiming towards our either success or our comfort or our simply enjoying life, we may make the mistake of sometimes doing things that bring others distress. There's the totally ignoring the fact that somebody spent hours cleaning your office, cleaning your home, and walking through, not paying attention to the fact that the floor was still damp and how distressed that party is going to be, whether it's a family member or a custodian who just put that effort in. And can we be mindful that right now, yes, I have something to accomplish over there, but hey, can I spend another three minutes and work on my phone in the lobby? Could I spend another few minutes and take care of something else in this room rather than prance through to the other side and disturb the, all the efforts that they just put in? I mean, mindful that sometimes in my zeal to accomplish in the office, I present myself in a manner that is disturbing to others, racing, you know, pressuring people. Is there, in a world where people actually work together in offices, is there a time that I find myself humming and, okay, what's the big deal? I'm humming. So I know that so-and-so every so often comments that they could use a little more quiet, but hey, I, I think better when I do it this way. Well, I think better and therefore I accomplish more, but they suffer as a result. Can I figure out a way? Can I, hey, can you let me know when you need the quiet time? Can we work out a way that either they'll be less disturbed by it or I find some other way to another workaround? At least be start by being mindful of the fact that others are impacted by our behavior. At least in a world where we're not doing everything virtually and long distance, that the reality is is that Our success, our accomplishment shouldn't come at somebody else's expense, even in a subtle way, even in a way that's not financially damaging. Aaron would not have suffered a penny of financial loss 
but it was something that would be disturbing to him emotionally, psychologically, potentially taxing. He would have lived on with it. He would have coped. But I can't cause that distress. That story of the Rabbi Shvedran, that other mashkiach, that other person, the supervisor in the yeshiva, he wasn't really likely to be worried about losing his job, more likely losing some of the respect, some of the attachment that he had, uh, the students, some of the following. And it would be a setback to him in that regard. Well, that's enough of a reason to stay out. And again, each person, we all have our own different situations. Really, to apply this to our own lives means pondering for a minute now, as soon as we finish this podcast, for a minute, what in my next 24-hour routine? Is there anything in that routine where I'm doing something that's me-focused and not mindful of the others that surround me and the ramifications of what that is? If there is, can we tweak it somewhat? Can we modify Can we work together with them to find some way that we can both be winners? In the process, we will be able to live up to the standard. We'll be the type of people who are more likely to deserve all these good things, the ability to bring others out of Egypt. Okay, that particularly we can't expect to happen in our future. Hopefully we're all constantly doing good things that trigger the future building of that temple in Jerusalem, even if we're not likely to be the individual architect. Hopefully we'll all have opportunities in our lives to be doing things that are of positive spiritual consequence to others, like that mashgiach and that story, that yeshiva supervisor, and constantly have those opportunities because of the fact that we're mindful of the degree to which our behavior impacts others, and we are consciously working on seeing to it that we are going to be accomplishing without that disturbance. And in so doing, more likely to accomplish, and more likely to accomplish in a way that fully achieves our tachlis.